Bankless Nation, it is that time again for the weekly roll-up, and David and I are doing it from a special location again. Oh my God, I forgot to set you up, David. Let me, let me ask you the official sure, question. let's do it. David, what time is it? Oh, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up, but it's happening on Thursday. Yes, it is. Because we are on Wednesday, the third day of permission list, here in the Kraken booth, on the floor of Austin, Texas. We have a live audience for the first time ever. It's a little bit intimidating. There's live studio audience. Bankless citizens, people in the Bankless DAO, all watching us as I speak these words right now. I don't know how I feel about that, but here we go. You know what? We're just going with it. This is a, a fantastic setup that we have here at, at uh, Permissionless 2023. Actually, Permissionless 2. Permissionless 2. That's what they call it. And Kraken put this booth together for us. So extremely grateful mm-hmm. for the hospitality. This is a professional setup. Yeah. This, this is, is uh, way not, better than my home office. Not right? some amateur shit, that's for sure. I know. And uh, so David and I are in person today, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we're here to bring you the weekly week roll up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Topics of the week, David. What are we talking about, man? Uh, the CFTC has joined the SEC in the fight against crypto. Oh, wait, that's bad. That's a bad thing. Yeah, I thought they were the good guys. That's not great. They're okay, not, well, okay. well, there's more. FTX is about to sell a huge portion of their token holding. Should we? Oh, that's also bad. No. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Ethereum Foundation just dropped a proposal on a native liquid staking. That's good. That's good. That's a good Goodness. thing. And then finally, friend.tech, not dead yet. Okay, also good. Also good. I came back from Burning Man and I thought that Friends Tech would be dead and it was like four times larger than I ever thought that it would be. Is there some signal there? Yeah. And then I, my share price going into Burning Man was 0.7. Dude, I don't want to hear about your share price. Until and I came high. back from Burning Man and it was 0.2 and I was oh. dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me happy. <laughs> Sorry, David. And then some, uh, some more bad news of the week. Vitalik's Twitter got hacked. Uh, X got hacked. Some details around that and how to protect yourself from Twitter and how to make sure that you actually might uh, might be exposed. If yeah. you, you might have your phone number in Twitter and you don't know about it. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. This is more. one that I didn't know. Like if Vitalik can get hacked, then, uh, you then know, you what about hacked. the rest of us? Yeah. Uh, David, uh, before we get into the chatter of the week, and I know we want to talk about permissionless mm-hmm. even before we get to the markets, uh, we got to do a shout out to our friends and sponsors over at Ave because a lot of you guys mm-hmm. listening are still in Ave V2. Right. And there's the, there's the opportunity to upgrade. To Aave V3. Cool. Tell them, tell them why they should upgrade, David. Well, first off, the Aave V3 protocol is just better than V2. Yep. Three is better than two. It's a higher number. Yep. Uh, but why is it better? There's just a different amount of efficiency. There's asset efficiency in Aave V3. There's gas efficiency in Aave V3. There's some extra bells and whistles. Uh, you, there's asset isolation mode, so you can get some better parameters for specific assets inside of isolation mode. And then you can also just do a bunch of things all at once, like remove assets, swap assets, read of deploy assets all in a single transaction because of Aave V3. So if you are one of the users that has up to a, a, over a billion dollars in Aave V2, everything is better if we all have the same party rather than two different parties. So go and migrate from Aave V2 to Aave V3, you laggard. Yes, because three is better than two. Three is better than two. <laughs> uh, there's also Aave, Aave Grants DAO. So grants, that's free money for builders who are building uh, on the Aave protocol with extra emphasis on the Go stablecoin, yeah. the brand new stablecoin out of Aave. So if you would like free money, do you like free money? Yeah, I mean, this isn't quite free because I got to build something, David. Sure. Okay, so, you trade your labor for money. But, yeah, uh, I like that too. Unconditional money after you build something or to build something. I don't know. Details are at, in the show notes, also at avagrants.org. I'd be down. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, before we get to markets, I think the people deserve an update on permissionless. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk permissionless. Um, it's been great so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. We're we are on the second, the last third of the last day of permission. So it's yeah. coming to a close. So do you want to tell me about uh, some of your favorite talks so far? Let's start with the content. 
I've done eight talks. <laughs> done eight talks? I, excuse me. I have moderated eight panels. Yes. Uh, so I'm racking up the content. How many did you get to? Um, I did one, David. <laughs> eight to one. Wow. Anytime I'm asked. Wait, is I'm lower like, better or higher better? Um, I don't. It depends on whether you like to do lots of panels or not. I love doing panels. Okay. Yeah. I don't. So anytime <laughs> someone asks me to do a panel, I'm like, David, would you like to do this panel? Wait, that's He's how like, I yes. ended up with eight? Okay. That's how I think that up. my favorite one was uh, we did a Jesse Pollock and Ben Jones uh, on chain is the new online yes. uh, conversation, which I mean, we just had them on for the super chain, uh, but this was a net new episode, net new uh, conversation. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed that one. That one felt really fun. And that one I actually just did not prepare for because I just know these guys. And I yeah. Haunted and Sphere. What was the takeaway from that? Um, so we have like on-chain is the new online. This is the new top of funnel uh, for base. Base is kind of like base in the front, optimism governance in the back. We have the golden era of Web3 design happening around base. Like we're getting better at design for attracting new people to get them on-chain. And then we have retroactive public good funding in the back. And so connecting that those dots and filling in the gaps a little bit and then talking about how this is a flywheel, right? More people coming in on base leads to more retroactive public goods funding, which makes base better as a part of the OP stack, which leads to more people coming into base. And this is all a flywheel that hopefully scales public goods out to the world. That is a TLDR, the conversation. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't also go listen to it. It's available on the YouTube, on BlockWorks YouTube, not Bankless YouTube, actually. Yeah, there's, and you know, um, do you want to ask me what my favorite one was? Sure, you only did one, but what was it? It was was actually the one that I I loved, and it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of the moderator. But the panel that um, we got to do with the regulators Mm -hmm. so it was hester purse Mm -hmm. i think we'll talk about it later in the episode hester purse brian quinten cftc regulator tom emmer Mm -hmm. uh majority house majority whip so we got a congress a member of congress on the floor to come to our crypto conference uh and then Kristen smith of course and she's kind of a crypto lobbyist Mm -hmm. and this honestly it gave me some hope david Mm -hmm. because things are looking kind of bleak Right. from a U.S. regulatory perspective. And this gave me some hope mm-hmm. uh, because these these people were fired up and they were ready to fight for crypto. Mm-hmm. And they have some power in D.C. to do that. You say bleak, but it's definitely bleak with str- strong notes of optimism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the I think the comment that got the most applause was towards the end where Hester Peirce said, we don't even need to... Uh, well, I can't remember what she said the details were, but the punchline was like, the law is on our side. Yeah. So we just have to, you know, make sure that the United States has, just runs by the rule of law and then we will be golden. Yeah, absolutely. It's, also, it's nice having the law on your side. Oh, it's, I, I mean, that is great. And we are winning in the court system. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. That was a point that was made. Uh, David, there's also been some bankless parties yes. going yeah. on. We had the, the largest party that we've ever thrown. Dude, uh, six, that was cr- 600 people. 600 people, a bunch of bankless citizens, some little podcast guests. Jesse Pollock was there. Uh, the Blockworks team was there. Gosh, everyone. I, I think, I don't know if you, there was other parties that Monday night, but everyone was at our party because it was the best. It, it, it was so fun. We throw the best parties. Yeah, meeting in real life. Uh-huh. Meeting people in real life. I was yeah. getting used to like, you know, the handshakes mm-hmm. that you do and yeah, like yeah. the hugs. And yeah, stuff. Ryan is learning how to be ball. human here. <laughs> this is actually the third time that Ryan and I have ever hung out. It does feel normal. He does feel like a human. He's doing, he's coming along. I'm doing human us. things. Doing I think human. I got a lot of proof of humanity on this trip. There's a lot of Twitter posts out there with uh, images. So um, I think <laughs> RSA truthers, they're going to have a hard time after this conference. Um, speaking of this conference, mm-hmm. what is happening next year? After next year. So next if year. you missed it, people missed it. Permissionless three. This yes. is something that I've been unpacking with uh, Mike from BlockWorks. We've got a lot of plans for permissionless three. Uh, I think we're kind of realizing that, A, we want to keep on doing this. So permissionless three, here we go. Uh, Salt Lake City in October, 2024. 
But we want it to be something net new. Like there's a bunch of conferences out there. There's a bunch of, actually there's three conferences going on this weekend. Uh, and we want permissionless to elevate. We think that we can apply some innovation to the content world, to the, to the uh, conference world and make something that's not just a conference, something, something that's bigger than a conference that has a conference in it, but more stuff around it. Uh, here is my shoot from the hip idea that I'll share with you that is not totally set in stone, but I'm gonna try and convince the Blockwork squad of this. Oh. So day four. You're using your podcast yes. fully platform yes, to do that. That's exactly right. Day four of a three-day conference, which I know doesn't make any sense, but that's because day four, I want to be tribal field day, tribal games. <laughs> so this is like tug of war and dodgeball and an obstacle People course. Have a lot of like and nightmares like from high school from field day. You yeah. want to invoke that? Yeah, yeah, I do. And so like, if you are part of the tribe, like layer two versus Arbitrum dodgeball or Bankless versus Blockworks tug of war, or Bankless DAO. I don't know, are you a part of a tribe? Come to the tribal field games. Thanks, Day four of a three-day conference. In an industry dominated by nerds, David wants to bring back PE Bullying, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you were a nerd or jock in school, David, but, uh, you know. I'll let the listeners come to the conclusion on that one. All right. Well, cast your votes, folks. Uh, let's talk markets, David. Markets, right. Get to the markets. So, sorry for the FOMO. If you couldn't make it, Permissionless has been awesome. But let's get to the regular scheduled program. Thanks to Kraken, of course, for these charts. What are we looking at? on The, the Kraken charts point? in the Kraken booth. <laughs> it's been great. Crackception. <laughs> okay, Ryan, I just had to pause our recording because I needed to verify this, and I am verifying it. The, the, we're up on the week. How, we are up on the week. I don't know how that happened. We dumped. We had a, the classic conference dump. We always dump during conferences. But somehow we're up on the week. Bitcoin starting the week at $25,100, up 4% to $26,300. Wow. Oh, good for us. Yeah. How about ETH price? ETH price, fifteen fifty on the week. We must have just like bottom ticked the perfect timing. Up 4% on the week to sixteen ten. And the ratio? Uh, down 2.5% on the week. Oof. Ratio ratio go down because ETF or is this yeah, noise? Something like that. Or or noise. But uh, definitely ETF is pushing pressure on the Bitcoin side. Total crypto market cap, 1.07 trillion on the week. I think that's about flat. All right. Well, look, I'm happy to play the, the happy music this week. This has uh, overall been a net win on the mm-hmm. price side. All right, David, we're just talking about the week-to-week price action. But uh, I want to zoom out for a minute and talk about the cycle, the mm-hmm. year that mm-hmm. we're in. Uh, did you see this? Yep. I've seen it. Yeah, this is great meme. Great meme. Mm-hmm. I don't know who made this. This is fantastic. Can you describe... for listeners what we're looking at okay so we are looking at a call it a four by four box grid but these things are shifted up because the boxes lean upwards and the first box in the top left corner is 2011 followed by 2012 20 uh 2013 2014 and so these things go upwards and then we go one row down 2014 to 2017 and then we go down and so these things are we're talking about the four-year cycles cut up into four years, right? And so 2022 is lining up with the first year of a four-year cycle where it's the bear. It's red. It's, you it's, see it's, the, it's, the it's pink yeah. red. And then 2023 pre-bull leads into 2024 first bull and 2025 second bull. Maybe second bull is synonymous for a blow-off top. Um, but we are most of the way through pre-bull. And this is like, it's, I feel like this is a part of a bell curve meme where it's just, it's just so stupid, simple to understand. Yeah. That's just like, Oh, like the cycles can't play out. Re- efficient market hypothesis. We're not going to have another hypo- uh, cycle again. It can't be four-year cycles over and over and over again. That's the mid- mid-curve take. And I think the left-curve take is just like, it goes in four-year cycles. Yeah, I totally agree. And so is the right-curve take, right? <laughs> so we got bear, we got pre-bull, we got first bull, we got second bull. And if you look at this chart, I mean, it kind of maps, right? Mm-hmm. So 2023 is like 2019, yep. which is what we've been saying, which is like 2015, mm-hmm. which is like 2012. Mm-hmm. Do you remember 2012? 
No, I don't. I was not here for 2012. 2019, I would definitely characterize as just price being completely divergent from fundamentals. And that's definitely what I feel. David, this is the base case. This is kind of my prediction. You know, like, um, uh, it's hard to make predictions on on cycles yet. I'm kind of ready to make it. I feel like it's probably going to play out this way. Yep. Uh, Yep. Until proven otherwise. Tell me about friend.tech. All right. So you, you alluded to this in the intro. You were talking about coming back from Burning Man, being surprised yep. that friend.tech was still a thing. And it's like still a thing. four times larger than I left it. Okay. Yep. How do we know it's still a thing? I think we should talk about some metrics here. Yeah, we got there's a Dune board that, that we can look at. I'll pull out some of the details here. The numbers I'm about to spit out are already five days old. And so there's even more numbers than this. But in the uh, from the 8th of September, new users came in at a thousand New users up 50%, returning users 4,000, 25%, up 25%, and then total incoming users, and this is as of just before recording, total users of friend.tech, unique users, unique addresses, for 1,480,000. And these are much more uh, wait, high. Wait, wait, give me that number again. 148,000 unique users of friend.tech, unique wow. Twitter accounts that have signed into friend.tech, which is why this is a better metric than just like a unique Ethereum address. Wow. Uh, the volume, the TVL of friend.tech, 18,000 Ether, that's $28 million. And that's 4,500 Ether in fees that has been collected by the system. And that is uh, uh, that has been split. One half of those fees goes to the Friends Tech team. The other half goes to all the Friends Tech participants, all the people that are aggregating the trading fees. 2.2 million transactions. 2.2 million transactions. Can I ask you a question about this uh, TVL really quick? Sure. So is this TVL all ETH? Yes, We're talking about- it's all ETH. 28 million in ETH. We're not talking about a native friend tech token. Nope, that's there is no token. Nope, no stable coins. It's it's a ETH maxi system. There's only one currency inside of friend tech, and that's ETH. That is great. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. very excited about this. Okay, so but 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 remember, I mean, we did this episode. There's Ponzi. There's Ponzi economics behind this, of course, a little bit. A little bit. I mean, it's mostly, it's kind of true for all type types of finance, like finance is perceived. Yeah. So these are all paper gains. Yeah. Because that's how finance works. Finance is paper gains. Um, so the ZeroX Racer Alt, who's one of the creators of FriendTech, his share price is 8.8 Ether. There 8. are 8. 360 shares, which they call keys, which I'll call shares. <laughs> Market cap, 970 Ether. So Racer... Number one on FriendTech, market cap of almost 1,000 Ether, followed by Xerox Captain Levi. Xerox Captain Levi, he, there's an interesting story to him. I, uh, I think this is true. He wasn't like an influencer or anyone really before FriendTech. He's just been working the he system. He has been working the system, yeah. absolutely grinding. Yeah. He, he came into my um, share room, my key room, whatever, and it's like, hey, David, uh, will you buy one of my shares? And I'm like, uh, okay, it's like his share price point zero zero two. I'm like, uh, I don't. I'll just appease this individual. I don't know who they are. Yes. So I buy one of his shares. He is now number two. Wow. <laughs> share great share price of six point five ether. It's one of the biggest. It's by far the biggest returns I've ever had. And at the time, I was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll just do it. And now I'm like, man, I should have bought ten. Well, all of these are still crypto people, He's which honest. is yep. which is somewhat interesting. Yeah. All the OnlyFans people have been pushed out, and the crypto people are back on top. Oh, really? Yep. I wonder what the next cohort is. Do you think this still has staying power, or is this just a- this has way more staying power than I thought that it would? Uh, there, the three, remember the three comma three from, yeah. yeah, so that started to emerge, which has raised my heckles about, man, that doesn't feel sustainable. That, that, that's a Ponzi uh, game wrapped in a Ponzi game. It's it, three, three came from the Olympus Dow, which uh, had some astronomical price action in 2021. Yes. And then also in reverse as well, uh, because three, three was what was three, three is like, hey, everyone buy and don't sell. And that <laughs> doesn't work over the long period of time. 
Because the game theory, someone's right. going to sell at some point in time. Why, why are people doing this? Why is 3.3 emerging? Well, why is TVL and France Tech going up? Well, people are farming the airdrop. People are starting to unpack the black box of the points distribution. There's a points distribution at the end of every single week. And people are assuming that this is going to just be a precursor. Like how many points you have is going to lead to how much tokens that you get for the airdrop. Yeah. And so people are starting to figure out the algorithm for how they're distributing points. And they're realizing that if you just have a high portfolio balance, you'll get a lot of points. And so that's incentivizing people buying people's shares. So they don't really care about people's shares. They're just buy, just hit buy so you can farm the airdrop. So this has turned into an airdrop farm, I would say. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I, I still don't, um, I'm, I'm still a net, like, I think this is still a net good. I think it's still doing more, more good than harm. You sound hesitant. Yeah, I'm a little, you know, we did an entire episode and why there's some hesitancy, but this is fairly fascinating. The first month, 5.3 million paid to creators through FriendTech, 5.3 million in app revenue. Mm. We talked about the TVL. This is uh, one particular user's experience here. This is not easy tweeting this out. I only deposited about five ETH into FriendTech some weeks ago, and then he's showing his portfolio value, and it's like uh, 19 ETH right now. Mm including 7.1 uh, ETH in trading fees. So some people are now making some substantial money from check, this. Check how many followers this guy has. How many followers? Is this a I big check. influencer or is this a... How, how do we, oh, are you talking about their Twitter followers? Yeah, not easy. Not easy. They not have 110,000 followers. Okay, I would definitely categorize that person as an influencer. So they are getting some trading fees. Those trading fees are coming from their, the, the benefits of just having a lot of social capital. But man, those, the portfolio numbers, I mean, that's just capital appreciation of friends. Tech. Friends shares are up. There you go. Friends shares are up. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, CFTC takes their turn as being the bad guy of the week. Not to be upstaged. Gary wants that position, that number one spot. So he's doubling <laughs> he's down. He's earned it. He's uh, doubling down on his anti-crypto approach. MetaMask launches Snaps. So we're going to talk about that. And also FTX bankruptcy is incoming, a massive sell wall of crypto. How will that affect markets? We're going to unpack some of those numbers and more. But first, a moment to talk about our fantastic sponsors, Kraken, who are in the Kraken booth on stage here at Permissionless. So thank you, Kraken, for supplying the booth, the charts, and also sponsoring Bankless. Let's go hear from them right now. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own layer three, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. 
David, sad news this week. The CFTC charged some DeFi protocols. These are fantastic, I think, fantastic mm-hmm. teams. Great DeFi protocols. I've used them. I feel like Anakin. I thought you were the chosen one. What, to the CFTC? Yeah, to the, no, it wasn't Anakin. Who was it? It was Obi-Wan. Thank you, Anakin. Yeah. I, I mean, the CFTC was supposed to be, I think a lot of people in crypto, a much more moderate, yeah. credibly neutral version of a regulator. Yeah. And we we're constantly pointing out, hey, SEC, we wish you could be more like the CFTC. Be more like them. And so that's the context through which this press release comes out. Um, I'll read the title. CFTC issues orders against operators of three DeFi protocols for offering illegal digital asset derivatives trading. What are these protocols, David? Open, Zero X, and Derex. Uh, Open, if you are familiar with Squeeth, which is squared ETH, which is a leverage product uh, that came from Open. Zero X or Matcha. Uh, they have also have a number of integrations across the space. Uh, Matcha, I use Matcha uh, quite often. Yes. Uh, and then Derex, I'm less familiar with Derex, but it's another derivatives exchanges. Derivatives, of course, fall under the purview of the CFTC. And so they have deemed that they don't like these projects. Yeah, um, so Derek's and Open were charged with failing to register as a swap execution facility, failing to register as a futures commission merchant, failing to adopt a customer ID program, that's Bank Secrecy Act, AML, KYC stuff, uh, and they were all charged with illegally offering leveraged and margin retail commodity transactions in digital assets. Oh my God, can you imagine? It sounds like a bunch of nation states speak. It's, I mean, some of these things were just basically levered assets. I mean, Open has been here since the very mm-hmm. beginnings of DeFi. They were one of the initial uh, kind of options projects I've yep. explored. Just a fantastic team, I believe, based in the US. Zero X as well. Yep. OGs. They built so yeah. much. Will Warren, shout out Will Warren. Yeah. Uh, and Derek's not is so sure about the but like this is quite the chilling effect yeah. i think so the fines were not substantial. these aren't these aren't long tail shitty DeFi projects no these uh, are our friends and families at just like inside of the crypto space building primitives that to support permissionless finance yeah uh so it's it's pretty sad it's it's kind of depressing um the, the fines were not substantial so open 250k zerox 200k mm-hmm. derex 100k um, I, I, and, I a, and a cease and desist. And a cease and desist? Mm-hmm. God, I, so I don't know what the future of Open is. They haven't right. released anything publicly around this. Uh, I think for 0x and, and Matcha, it means basically like from their front end, basically delisting some of these leveraged tokens, right? Because, you know, adults in America can't make wise choices. And so if you have a levered ETH product, it's not allowed, right? Um, okay, so, Matcha is a front end to 0x, which is spun up by the Xerox company, but the Xerox protocol is just like Uniswap. Anyone who wants to delist assets can F off. You yep. can't. Yep. Yep. So anyway, th- th- quite the chilling effect. So what does a new company, a DeFi project do? Now the CFTC is also going a little bit rogue, going a little bit Gensler. Um, there was one commissioner that dissented here. Oh, in Hester Purse style? Yes. Hester, uh, Hester Purse style dissent, which was good to see. But also unfortunate, David, only one I don't know how many CFTC uh, commissioners there are. It's like five to seven, something like that. Da- David's Googling it for us. Uh, but only one dissented. It would have been nice to see another voice, another couple of voices here. Anyway. Five, five commissioners. Commissioner Summers, uh, Mercenger's dissent went like this. The commission's orders in these cases give no indication that customer funds have been misappropriated right. or that any market participants have been victimized by yeah. the DeFi protocols in which the commission has unleashed. I like that word. Unleashed. It's in enforcement powers. I am concerned that the commission in these cases is taking another step down the path of bringing enforcement actions when we should be engaging the public. Yeah. 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 
That's a good point. Uh, no one that I know feels aggrieved. There are no, there are no victims here. There aren't. Uh, so, but the CFTC feels aggrieved enough to shut it down in America. This is, um, I think, a pessimistic take from uh, Gabe Shapiro, but maybe an accurate one. What's his take here? Gabe says that the CFTC is an even worse regulator. Ooh, that's this SEC is pretty bad. I'm assuming he's in alluding to the comparison of the SEC. Uh, he says if you run any kind of interface, etc., for a DeFi credit pro- protocol, block the United States. Many people told me I was crazy when I said that the CFTC's case against UkiDAO, uh, that's the BZ, BZX uh, protocol, simply makes DeFi illegal under the CFTC's view of U.S. law. I was right. Uh, okay. The that's prospect, the prospect of a, a regulator being worse than the SEC. I'm not ready to go that far, but this really, this, this this case does not look good. And here's something that's equally dis- disconcerting these charges, David. Anton Chang uh, making the point that geo-blocking was not enough in this case. So Open was fine, 250K, sent that cease and desist for leveraged ETH that wasn't even executed through Open. It was executed through Uniswap, okay? And so- They bought the asset through Uniswap and then they charged Open because Open created the asset. Yeah, but the, the website that Open maintained uh, actually implemented geoblocking. So if oh. you went to the website for Open, they were doing right. the right thing by banning, you know, uh, American uh, residents from participating. Doing the, the right thing, yeah. The fact that it was on Uniswap was enough. And right. the fact that they took what they thought were preventive measures to make the CFTC happy was not enough, even though they there, geoblocked. There will never be anything that's enough. Nothing will be enough. Uh, right. Absolutely brutal here. So this is uh, Jake Chervinsky. Perhaps we should lay to rest the idea that the CFTC is a better regulator for crypto than the SEC. Today, yeah. the CFTC violated the court's opinion in the Uniswap class action, its own principles to an attack on DeFi. The Uniswap course case was, of course, we talked about that last roll yep. up. That was a big boon for uh, crypto and mm-hmm. DeFi. Hey, I don't know. You know what? If the, if we can take this to court, is this just more surface area for future wins? I don't know, David, because they keep just respawning Gary Gensler's. They they've got like unlimited Gary Gensler's that they're throwing at us. All right, and so they're respawning us pretty high. Absolute nightmare. Um, yeah. So, but 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 when I made this point to Jake, all right, here here's part of the silver lining, and I, I do want to get to the silver lining in a minute. Uh, I said, hey, it feels like we're losing here. What's happening? Jake says. They could say whatever they want in a settlement agreement or in speeches or in guidance or in notices of proposed rulemaking. None of it counts unless a court says it does. You may have noticed that we keep winning in courts. Oh, yeah. That's not going to stop. In the end, we win. The courts are slower moving, but they are making the right decisions. In the end, we win. I, uh, I happen to believe that, David. I think we're on the right path. Okay, so there, the, there's potential here for these uh, companies to take the CFTC to court and we can win. 100%. I mean, we have to be bankrolled to do that. We have to yes. be ready to do that. Yes. We have to bankroll. There, there is another CFTC commissioner that's recommending an alternative approach. I noticed that Commissioner Famier, that, that is her name, uh, she did not dissent. Hmm. And I wish she would have. Although she is proposing a pilot program, a sandbox, uh, so that you know, companies can come in and, and I guess you know, use the sandbox type approach so that they foster innovation. Maybe that'll take off. Maybe not. It hasn't worked when Hester Peirce uh, proposed it on the SEC side. I- is this is this so? Like, there's always that question of like, is this uh, malicious or is this ignorance? Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I'm is it, am I overly optimistic to call it ignorance? Like, because they the punchline that we know is that they are asking things that are impossible. And they are not, there is no way out for these protocols to, to be compliant based on the nature of what they are. 
And so, the, and then they are giving charges anyways. I uh, ignorance? No, not at this point, David. I think that I think I'm in team. This is malicious. Uh, this is an actual kind of squelching mm-hmm. of what we're doing here. It's another overreach. Right. It's a it's a mini Gary Gensler type of move. We've seen it play out the SEC. I do think that uh, regulators' incentives skew in this direction anyway. There, you did right, I say a line I remember forever ago about just like why why might you want to be bearish about the state of regulation is because like all the smart regulators get frustrated and then they go leave into the private markets like Brian Quintens of the formerly of the CFTC now at A16Z. Yeah, we like Brian. You, you were talking to him, to him on stage. Yeah, he's yeah. no longer in the regulatory apparatus. He is at A16Z where he probably feels much better able to suit the industry and work and work forwards. Yeah, there's like a values brain drain where yep. they uh, kind of get sucked out into, into crypto. Um, the chairman the of the CFTC- the are left. Yeah, the chairman of the CFTC is a gentleman by the name of uh, Rostin Benham. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he should come on the podcast. Uh, he's a Democratic appointee. He hasn't embraced anything crypto positive yet. So we'll see. Yo, Gary does not want to be upstaged this week. Okay, we're talking about the CFTC. And uh, apparently he doesn't like that. So he had some things to say. He was called in front of Senate in a Senate hearing. And he took some time out of his testimony to uh, say some things about crypto. Do you want to hear it? All right, let's do it. And help protect Americans from the crypto abuses that cost consumers billions. Um, If they were to live up to the investor protection built into their current laws, it would help investors but right now, unfortunately, there's significant non-compliance, and it's a field which is rife with fraud, abuse, and uh, misconduct. Uh, that's malicious. Significant. I, I no malicious when I can see it. Significant non-compliance that is rife with fraud, abuse, and misconduct. You know, he never actually listened to companies when he says non-compliance. No. It's just like homogenous, general. It's all of them. Vibe of non-compliance. Yes. They feel very (laughs) non-compliant. He he actually continued, we've seen this story before, Gary said. It's reminiscent of what we had in place in the 1920s before the federal securities laws were put in place. Of course, right? It was the Wild West. And then the SEC wrote in and saved the day. Thus, we have brought a number of enforcement actions, some settled and some in litigation, to hold wrongdoers accountable and promote investor protection. So that's how he feels about crypto, David. If there's one thing that I think listeners should do is they should listen to Eric Voorhees' opening speech at Permissionless. Oh my God. <laughs> brought the absolute guns to the table. Uh, man, that was, it really started off the conference out well. Uh, and if anyone feels energized, to have some anti-nation state regulation content thrown their way, definitely listen to uh, Eric's speech. You know, you know the thing about that speech and I think Eric's approach in general? He called us farm animals. <laughs> well, he could, you know, so it's, it's, it's sort of that type of talk, right, uh-huh. from Eric. Uh-huh. So he gets like right to the- it's pretty point. militant. He, he goes almost like militant towards it. Yeah. But what I love about Eric is it's no apologies. No. Like what yes. do we have to apologize yes. for? Unapologetic, yeah. One of his comments there was uh, they should be giving Hayden Adams a Nobel Prize. Yeah. For creating orderly markets, yeah. doing the SEC's job. Yes. And what are we doing? Suing people. Suing, suing open, oh, oh, getting Uniswap. DeFi out yeah. of here, suing suing Matcha, suing uh, Zero X. That's what we're doing. I do think though, David, uh, I mentioned the, like my favorite, one of my favorite your panels were great, too. I'm not denigrating your panels. But your one panel was better. This panel was great, okay? And the reason it was great is because Hester Peirce was there. Uh-huh. You want to hear what she says, David? Yeah. If Chair Gensler did wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what, I want to take a new, I want to chart a new course, what would that new course look like? What kind of solutions would you recommend for us? Where are the problems that you're seeing? Having that kind of stuff ready to go 
if we can really work on developing those kinds of solutions now, and I know Congress is working certainly on, on that, um, I know that there's a lot of industry work being done on that, but having those concrete solutions ready to go when Chair Gensler does wake up on the other side of the bed and say, I'm gonna do things differently, then if we're doing that, I think we're in a good place. If we're just, um, if we're just gonna be in this bad place we are, that we're in now, and then when that change happens, there's nothing there to put in its place, then we're in a really bad place, because it takes a long time to get these changes worked through. So we need to be really ready to go when the, when the opportunity strikes. I do appreciate how she just assumes that in inevitability of time, Gary Gensler will come to the light. Yeah. One yeah. will be forced or be, have be enlightened, probably forced. Yeah, I, I actually think there might be some uh, replacement going on. And uh, I, for one, would be happy to nominate Hester Peirce, Hester Peirce. for chair of Absolutely. the SEC. Yeah. I think she'd do a fantastic job. Um, you have a tweet here. Uh, you want to? Yeah, this was uh, while I was watching your one panel. Uh, <laughs> I tweeted out, a mountain of respect for Hester Peirce, who eagerly shares opinions in public forums while her role at the SEC constrains what she can say. She can't talk directly about the SEC versus Ripple or Grayscale cases or speak on behalf of the SEC directly, but she gets on stage and speaks her mind anyways. She engages with us. She comes permissionless. She chats with you. Could yeah. you imagine? She chats with you, Ryan. No, I, I, I think it's fantastic. And, and Tom Emmer was there. Mm -hmm. they, we've got some legislation. I mean, there's some stuff going. I, I do think it's an inevitability that uh, the U.S. writes the ship. I just, I hope it doesn't take, you know, years. So meanwhile, while all this is going on, institutions continue to adopt. I think they're pretty excited about the uh, the spot Bitcoin ETF. Yep. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So what are we looking at here? Well, just it just so happens that another trad institution with $1.5 trillion in wealth filed for another spot Bitcoin ETF this week, Franklin Templeton, which is perhaps the most boomer name I can think of for a financial institution. Franklin Templeton? I, uh, that, I'm, no, it just sounds very... It doesn't even sound real. <laughs> it sounds extremely trad. Uh, <laughs> They have $1.4 trillion in assets under management. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, that, yeah. I so, feel like I should have heard. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I should know them, yeah. Uh, they have filed for the spot Bitcoin ETF. Uh, so they, there's another big trad institution pushing for this as well. The interesting thing about this one is that Kraken is actually the Oracle, so for the prices, yeah. for, for the spot Bitcoin ETF. So yeah. cool, congrats to Kraken on that one. Uh, and it, Oracle in this context, what do we mean by that? So uh, these spot, and the ETF, all the ETFs need an Oracle. Uh, it's actually not Kraken specifically. It's CF Benchmarks, which is wholly owned by Kraken. So Kraken's subsidiary is doing the the spot Bitcoin pricing. And so you remember when uh, one of the I can't remember which, but some of the one of the Bitcoin ETF spots like updated their filing to include surveillance sharing, and then all the other ones yeah. also was like, oh, we have to also include that. Yeah. So this spot Bitcoin ETF, the new thing about this one is they're using CF Benchmarks Kraken subsidi subsidi subsidiary to provide the surveillance sharing. And they are the one thing doing the thing that is the final nail in the coffin about why the SEC is claiming that it is not approving a Bitcoin ETF. Yeah. Now we are doing, we are doing that thing. And that's the thing that CF Benchmarks is doing. I just learned about this just now. We're, uh, we're, we're closing in on this. There's nothing left. Running there's nothing left. Uses. You have to approve it. Uh, if you want to get a bit more optimistic on the regulatory landscape in the US, you got to watch the panel. Uh, we'll include a link in the show notes to the permissionless panel that we were referencing. Also, David, this was some news this week, okay? This is FTX, the ghost of FTX. It's still here. They're going bankrupt, of course, uh, and they got a lot of crypto. They got a lot of crypto they that they have crypto. to sell That's a lot of crypto. in order to give back to their creditors. So the question in my mind, and I think on, on in crypto's mind, is who is going to take the hit from all of this, all right? I mean, 
What do their bags look like? It, it's reported, David, that they have 3.4 billion in crypto assets. Mm-hmm. At, at current prices. At current prices. And they are allowed by the courts to sell up to 100 million worth of tokens per week. <laughs> and that can be increased up to 200 million. Oh, man. That's a lot of sell pressure, my friend. Sell, sell pressure, yeah. Okay, so which assets are under question? Are, is of course, the big question to have. Uh, the biggest asset that they have to sell is, is going to be Sol, Solana at 1.16 billion dollars. Biggest now, by a lot. A lot of this Solana is locked. And I think locked for a very long amount of time. What do you mean by locked? So they uh, can't sell it? Vested, yeah. So the FTX was an investor in Solana. Of course, the Solana FTX relationship was like ripe in 2021, 2022. Now that FTX is gone, Solana is clear from that, but they still have a lot of vested soul. I I think the last of it unlocks in like 2027 or 2029. So it's over a very long period of time. You know what though? I still totally think you can sell that OTC. Someone buy the like. Oh, you're right. Yeah, the vesting. Oh, you're right. So, so if there was an OTC buyer, they could buy the locked Solana, but that wouldn't. That wouldn't be self pressure. It wouldn't be self pressure. You're right. 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 But still, like over there is, it's a very significant amount of Solana, like a very. Is that like ten percent of market cap? Something close to that. One point one six billion dollars of Solana is going to be. Let's let me go look at the Solana market cap. The Solana market cap is seven. Point four billion dollars of market cap, oh, li- liquid market cap, uh, ten billion dollars. Yeah. So yeah, that's about that's about ten percent of the sole market cap is sell pressure over the next five plus years. Damn. It's a long time. It's a lot of soul. Yeah, it's uh, a so pretty big overhead. Yeah. What else we got? Uh, after that is going to be Bitcoin. Uh, so Bitcoin coming in at number two at $560 million. That is fully liquid, of course. And then Ether is number three at $192 million. I feel like that that's a decent amount for Bitcoin. But like the Bitcoin and Ether amounts, I feel like Bitcoin and Ether can like kind of eat that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Sam always uh, like there was a general resistance and resentment between the Ethereum community and Sam. And so as a result of that, like there was just less Ether proportionally than than other assets. Oh, cool! Right, so like there's a hundred, there's 192 million dollars of ether, a very liquid asset. There's 137 million dollars of Aptos, a very illiquid asset. That's gonna hurt. I don't know how that's probably also locked up, uh, but it's again that's a massive overhang for Aptos, um, Tether, uh, XRP. Uh, there's some other ones as well. Yeah, this is gonna be some sell uh, pressure. Yeah, that's think, that's some overhang. Do you think this is gonna affect prices, or do you think it's specific, more specifically these particular assets? The reason why there's four-year cycles is because of reflexivity. Like yeah. once people realize the game is on, then the game is on. And I think the sell pressure of this will be a meme that resurges its head over and over and over again. And it maybe weeks will have downward sell pressure as like kind of like the the the, um, the Mt. Gox thing. It's like every once in a while people are like, oh, Mt. Gox is going to sell. And then it never actually happens. It's yeah. probably going to be something like that. Yeah. Uh, all right, David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, Scrolls mainnet is announced for when... Well, we know, we'll, we'll tell you, but not now. Vitalik's <laughs> X account is hacked as a result of the swim sw- sim swap attack and a bunch of other stuff as well. We're going to get through all of the news and more. But first, a moment from these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask Portfolio, also here on the floor at Permissionless. Uh, we're going to talk about MetaMask Snaps coming up. Uh, so thank you for MetaMask for sponsoring this message. Let's go hear from them right now. Are you a MetaMask user? Well, you're listening to Bankless, so of course you are. The wallet you know and love just got a whole lot better. MetaMask Portfolio is the ultimate one-stop shop for all of your crypto needs. It gives you a whole 
holistic view of your crypto portfolio across multiple chains and multiple addresses all at once. You can easily view and manage all your coins, tokens, and NFTs in one convenient place just by connecting your wallet. MetaMask Portfolio goes beyond just viewing your portfolio though. Inside the portfolio, you can do all the incredible money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets with ease. It's like having a powerful battle station for all your DeFi moves right at your fingertips. So if you're looking to do more in Web3 your way, MetaMask Portfolio is the answer. I already know that you have MetaMask Wallet, so go check out your MetaMask Portfolio. Learn more at metamask.io slash portfolio. You know Uniswap. It's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap Mobile Wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with a Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There is a link in the show notes. David, this caught our attention this week. Uh, this is from Mike Neuter, who is an EF researcher, and he published... Also some- my rock climbing buddy. Oh, yeah? You guys climb rocks together? Yeah, he's in Williamsburg with what me. Do you, what do you climb? Bouldering, uh, right? Bouldering, yeah. He called himself a pebble wrestler, which is a nickname for boulderer, <laughs> and I thought that was just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Okay, so this pebble wrestler <laughs> is uh, proposing a two-tiered staking proposal presenting a hypothetical native liquid staking token design. If that doesn't mean anything to you, it's basically like rather than having an LS, LSTs mm-hmm. and leaving that up to like this quote unquote private market, right. the Lidos, the Rocket Pools, the anybody else, you know, the Swells, anybody else who does it, uh, making that part of the protocol, mm-hmm. enshrining yeah. liquid staking token as part of the protocol. Now, I don't think either of us have gone into the design of this, nope. and we probably have to do an entire yep. episode with yep. your, your 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 pebble climber. Wait, uh-huh. was it pebble? Pebble, Pebble wrestler. Pebble wrestler. Pebble wrestler. Ted, in order to find out what this is. I hope he's going to be okay with this. But I think it's interesting. I think that is interesting. It's mm-hmm. like a countermeasure. It's a possible countermeasure move mm-hmm. where like the public state. I'm, I'm going to use government analogies here sure. for a second. Please like, do. Just hang with me. So Fire away. It's like a um, the, the public nation state is saying, oh, this is a monopoly. Yep. This is threatening the public good of what we're creating of our citizens. And so we're going to grab this private asset and make it a state-run asset, mm-hmm. okay? And it, well, they're not quite grabbing the asset, so they're not like taking LST. Right. They're just providing an outlet. They're like, rather than private, we'll have a public type. Maybe it's like public healthcare, I guess, and that that whole yep. debate. Single-payer healthcare. Yeah, yeah. P- people are going to get massively triggered by all of this with what I just said, but <laughs> I feel like it's a it's a helpful analog. I think it. that's right, and th- this is actually very like fitting with what the role I see the role of the AEF is, and I, I've heard this articulated elsewhere. It's an antitrust force for Ethereum. Yes, where antitrust a, force where yes. a monopoly emerges that impacts the protocol. Like I would call it, consider Uniswap a monopoly in liquidity because it, yeah. it like dominates eighty to ninety percent of liquidity in swaps in Ethereum. Does that impact the protocol? No. Is Lido a growing monopoly and might it impact the protocol? Yes. Or any other LST that might grow to have more than thirty three percent share. Yeah. And so what Mike is is doing here 
they are proposing like, hey, here is an LSE system that we can enshrine as a credibly neutral force in the protocol itself, where there's no token, there's no profit motives, there's no anything. Uh, and it is like state-run infrastructure to ensure the credible neutrality of Ethereum. Um, I would say that the Pepsi, uh, P-E-P-C, from Barnaby, Protocol Enforced Proposer Commitments, is a, of a similar vibe to Eigenlayer. Yep. Uh, so if Eigenlayer kind of grows so incredibly large that it needs a check by the protocol, we have Pepsi ready to go. Uh, it's not ready to go, but is in development. And so this is of a similar vein. I, I Again, I just skimmed the details, but this has some ec- economic ramifications that oh I'm not I sure. Love I am entirely comfortable. Yeah, we're going to have to talk to Mike about this. So I don't really know if I, I support this proposal or not, but I'm in kind of finding out more mode. And I think it's interesting nonetheless. All right, while we're on the infrastructure track, let's talk a little bit about MetaMask. I feel like this is actually a pretty big upgrade big in infrastructure big for MetaMask. This week, they launched... MetaMask snaps yeah. in open beta form. It's been brewing for a while. My simplest explanation of this is if you think of a wallet as a browser, yep. so think of like the analog to the internet. You know, you had early kind of Netscape, Internet Explorer, and now you're probably like using Chrome or Brave or something like that, okay? So um, a wallet is kind of like an internet explorer for crypto, or it's kind of like a, a, a browser for crypto. And you know the ability that browsers have had, I feel like Chrome really pioneered this with different extensions. Huh. So you could go to kind of the, the Chrome uh, extension store, yep. you download your favorite extensions. So ironically, MetaMask is actually an extension on top of your Chrome browser. And now it's- Is that ironic? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's fun, something. It's something. It's a fun fact. Uh, yeah, what's the definition of irony? <laughs> anyway, didn't Alana- Let's stop that? this podcast and consider this. <laughs> We'll do an entire episode on it. Put it in the backlog. Okay, so uh, what they're doing is basically giving the ability to launch extensions onto MetaMask. That's what a snap what, is. What are MetaMask snaps? It's extensions for your MetaMask. Not just extensions, because it can also, you can kind of change the default about MetaMask, the way that it looks. Yeah. Uh, so it can, it can be an extension. It can do anything. MetaMask can, snaps can do anything. Um, there are already developers that have been building MetaMask snaps under the hood for a while. So there are some snaps ready to go. Uh, and so this is just kind of going to, this is going to be probably the biggest upgrade to MetaMask, uh, since inception, I think. It makes it like permissionless. Anybody can deploy an extension. Open source, open source MetaMask, open source snaps. So all of those things you're like, uh, MetaMask, when are you going to implement this feature? And I don't know how many times. Build a snap for it. Build build a snap. Somebody can build a snap Snap. for it. Uh, so there's a library. I plan to spend some time discovering different snaps, seeing what's Mm -hmm. useful. Um, and, uh, you know. Maybe we'll do an article on this in Bakeless Newsletter. Snaps. David, David, Vitalik was hacked. Oh, no. Last week. You were, you're you not worried about this? <laughs> I just know about it. Okay. <laughs> not a surprise for David here. Okay, so what happened, though? Uh, okay, so surprise. You can turn off SMS two-factor authentication on, on um, Twitter, on X, but you can still use it to recover a password. So there's two things that you need to turn off in order to cover your traces on Twitter. I actually did not know this, and now I do know this, so I turned it off for me. Uh, but this is how Vitalik, Vitalik got swim, sim swapped, and that's how they get got access to his Twitter. Um, I think seven uh, six hundred ninety one thousand dollars and a couple crypto punks from some OGs um, got drained. One thing I definitely learned from this is OGs fell for this, and I when I read this tweet. I immediately recognized it as like, this is a, a yeah, yeah. compromised tweet. And so, it was interesting that some OGs fell for it and other people like didn't. I'm realizing that getting fished depends on the context that you're in. So like OG, why are OGs getting fished? Because maybe they're just not on Twitter that often. They don't. It's a Twitter skill, not a Web3 skill. 
Yeah, so let's talk about the mechanics of what happened. Out of nowhere, mm -hmm. uh, it looked like Vitalik's Twitter account published this tweet. It's basically, to celebrate proto-dank sharding. Right. That's very precise, yeah. Mm -hmm. Vitalik would, might say that. No, he wouldn't ever say that. But anyway, coming to Ethereum, consensus is, and then it goes on, uh, you can mint an NFT. There's a call to action to mint an NFT. Exactly. And so this was actually some fisher that had taken mm -hmm. over Vitalik's account and if you go to try to mint this NFT, right. there's some code in there, malicious code, that will actually drain your wallet yep. and steal all of your funds. Yep. And so what David was saying is some OGs, like yeah. some crypto native people yeah. actually fell for this because, oh, it's, it's Vitalik's I, official account. I th the, this is such a sad, fun fact. This is a sad fact. The first ever CryptoPunk that was minted got drained. Oh my God. CryptoPunk number one. Yeah. If it's a sad, fun fact, then I don't think it's fun. I think uh, it's I think just a sad, that's fact. a sad fact. So that's what happened. And, and how did it happen? As you're saying, he was SIM swapped, yep. which means somehow his uh, carrier, I think it was like T-Mobile or something yeah. like this, uh, probably do some, so someone, some hacker right. called them up and convinced them somehow to port his phone or the other phone. And because in, tw in Twitter, actually, if you sign up for Twitter Blue, they ask for your phone number. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure Vitalik went through that process, yep. gave the phone number. And then if somebody is SIM swaps your account and triggers password account recovery, account recovery, yeah. then it sends it to the new phone number. And yeah. that's how this all happened. Yeah. Very, so very sad. What, what are the lessons here? Uh, so he actually, Vitalik went to Farcaster to talk about this. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming he's regained access to his Twitter. Uh, but uh, he, the main like kind of mic drop moment was that, well, Farcaster, you can't be SIM swapped because there's no phone for Farcaster it is your ENS name, it is your Ethereum address. Uh, so Farcaster accounts have assurances here about how and who can access those things, which I find because it's secure. It's secured by private key. It's secured by private key. That's yeah. the big difference yeah. here. So that's a takeaway. Yeah. Um, I guess another message is watch out for SIM swaps. Yeah. I mean, you can phone, you can have your mobile company add a PIN number. Let me just say that does not necessarily protect the, you. The social engineering, like f honestly, this is pretty goddamn damning of phone companies. We should be pretty upset as an industry as all of these phone companies that aren't taking this problem seriously. And likely one of the cul the culprits are probably coming from inside the house. Yeah. Like it's either social engineering externally or somebody in T-Mobile, an employee or access to T-Mobile uh, databases and servers who can have the ability to do this. So T-Mobile, yo, look at your shit. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if they listen to Bankless, but <laughs> somebody at who works at T-Mobile listens to Bankless. <laughs> so odds are, what can people do though? All right, so one thing you can do is is try to call them, add the PIN number to your account. Uh, that's kind of going to be a dead end. Some people use Google Fi, yeah. at least in the U.S., and yeah. this is this has no vector for attack in this way, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all kind of Google Advanced Protection. And you can really lock it down. There's no way to social engineer it. That's another mechanism for that. That's how to prevent SIM swap. Yep. What you really need to do, what you really need to make sure of is none of your key accounts, like Twitter or Gmail, Correct. have a phone number activated account recovery. Yeah. Okay? So that means- Just you, remove your phone number from your Web2 life. Yeah, because that means if you do get SIM swapped, no one can actually get inside of yep. your accounts. So it's, you know, at worst, uh, you know, two-day inconvenience kind of thing mm -hmm. where you get your account restored. So mm -hmm. that's the learning lesson there and how we can protect ourselves. David, Espresso. Partnering with Offchain Labs. Okay, what's going on here? Yeah, Offchain Labs, aka Arbitrum, and Espresso, a decentralized sequencer. Uh, they have 
partnered up so that they can get some decentralized sequencing into the world of Arbitrum. This improves transaction ordering to bring a shared sequencing option to Arbitrum tech chains. Uh, you can fight front running and harmful forms of MEV. So this is just MEV fairness coming to the world of Arbitrum. And this also is actually part of Arbitrum's strategy. They're like super chain strategy, if you will. Uh, they actually don't have a super chain strategy. They want to work with decentralized sequencers so that the aggregate of all chains can be sequenced together. So it's rather than having a super chain strategy like Optimism, it's just like the whoever has a chain. And so it's more, it's like the space between all of those super chains, can whoever signs up for Espresso is part of the Arb Arbitrum system, which is also more yeah, more open. I think okay. that's how that works. I feel like we have to do some episodes on this. Too, yeah, but my, I probably butchered my, that. My rough understanding of how this works is Arbitrum is the only sequencer right now yes. for Arbitrum chains. Yes. Now Espresso is also a sequencer. Yes. And any chain that Espresso yes. also services as a sequencer on, let's say they're on Arbitrum 1 and they're on all of the other Arbitrum chains as well. Yep. And let's say they're also a uh, sequencer on the Optimism network, right? right? That improves the interoperability yep. between Optimism. execution it's through shared sequencing. Right. And that's very bullish. That's so very bullish. That is the reason why an Arbitrum might want to adopt someone like Espresso. Mm -hmm. Right, There's definitely some like network, some power law network effects to share sequencing. Uh, absolutely. David, uh, some nouns news this week. I'm not going to go through the whole thread, but 40% of nouns are quitting the DAO and claiming a refund. There's some nouns drama. Yeah, noun fork. Noun fork. Okay, so what's going on here? I think the way that this works is nouns at some point in time were going for over 100 Ether per noun. And that was one net noun is sold every single day. So 100 Ether into the nouns treasury. Nouns are now being sold for lower prices, like 20 to 30 Ether a day, last I checked. Um, which means that a lot of nouns are like underwater. Uh, but nouns, one noun is one vote. There's a treasury of Ether. And so I would assume that there is a desire for some nouns to get their Ether back. Yes. And so 40% of nouns have done that. Uh, it's basically like the rage quit option, right? Yes. Yeah. You give your noun back and you take your share, your yep. equivalent share of the Ether. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just this is people just being disgruntled about the way that the nouns treasury is being handled. They just don't agree with the way that capital is out being allocated. And so they are saying, peace, we're out. You know, I've uh, I, I talked to some, uh, this is kind of a noun skeptic type thread. It's basically mm -hmm. like, hey, decentralized treasuries don't work. DAOs don't work, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I think there are some flaws with with mm -hmm. a DAO managed token vote treasuries. Sure. But uh, I also talked to a noun bull, William Peaser. Yeah. He's actually like, hey, no, this is right. This is like the yep. cleansing process we need. Yep. And now we just have the true believers mm -hmm. left. And now this ARB opportunity has been swallowed by the market. We have a smaller treasury, mm -hmm. but that treasury is uh, full of to token votes by a rabid group of, right. group of fans. So this is the natural kind of cleansing uh, right. process. And, you know, nouns will be reborn. Mm -hmm. Well, also there's the p potential here. So like early nouns buyers, like for example, the first noun ever got sold for 613 Ether, $1.9 million. Yeah. And like for a long time, nouns were being sold for hundreds of Ether. And so even if you are an early noun holder and you are down in Ether, a new noun buyer who's, you know, buying a noun for 20 Ether is buying... 30 or 40 or 50 ethers worth of treasury with their 20 ether purchase. Right. So it's actually rational for these early buyers to to like get their ether yep. and then rebuy cheaper now. Yeah, totally. Because newer buyers are buying free ether basically. Yep. And there's like I don't like that arb op. I would like to rebalance my portfolio and so I'm sure some nowners, some nowners are going to quit. Some nowners are going to rebuy at a lower price. 
uh, and then there's going to be more equality across the DAO. Yeah. So is it broken or is it working? Is it performing? I think intended? this is an example of an efficient market playing out. So I would say this is would be rational. This is rational and expected. I sort of think so too. David, we're just going to breeze by this story, but the headline is crazy. So there's a cryptocurrency exchange mm-hmm. founder in Turkey, and he was just jailed for 11,196 years. Yeah, that's a lot of re- years, Ryan. That's a lot that's of jail lot of time, years. man. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine if F- SBF was in Turkey? What would happen? Like, uh, oh, he would get a high score for sure. That would be like hundreds <laughs> of thousands of years. <laughs> wow, Turkey does not mess around. This was for fraud. Actually, I, had I, I, I love this fact. So why is he being sentenced for embezzling, for like stealing users' funds? I love this fact. He's he sentenced to 11,196 years and a $5 million fine. Wow. <laughs> he stole one of those millions of dollars. Okay, so uh, apparently this guy, he really is like the SBF of Turkey, it sounds like. I don't know much about this story, but uh, he's got the hubris of an SBF. He said this to the court. I am smart enough to lead any institution on earth. Yo. That is evident in this company I established at the age of 22. Wow. I have not acted amateurishly. Wow. I think he should just go to jail and do the whole like sardines and cigarettes Ponzi in there. Oh my God. He can have a he can have his jail institution. The SBF of Turkey. Uh, it's a long jail sentence, though. All right, catch this. The FBI is investigating the whole Barry Silbert uh, versus Winklevoss twi- mm-hmm. type of allegations. What's going on here? Yeah. So, as a part of an ongoing review of DCG and Genesis Gla- uh, Global Capital, Genesis, um, the FBI agents, SEC staff, and New York City prosecutors sat down with Cameron Winklevoss to discuss his allegations of fraud that he levied against Barry Silbert. Huh. So, like. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty, but some very big players are taking a look at what's going on here. David, this is getting kind of serious. I That's think. pretty serious. I don't. Well, I would not want to be in that position. Uh, Mountain Pro- Protocol has just launched, David. Uh, we're doing an entire episode on yep. Mountain Protocol. What's the TLDR of this thing? Mountain Protocol on-chain T-bills, part of the real-world assets coming to be tokenized on-chain. Mountain Protocol is one of them. Uh, USDM. So on. So instead of USDC, which has no native yield to it, USDM is a tokenized T-bill. So it's trying to be a currency inside of DeFi, uh, but instead with the native yield of the treasury market. So makes sense. David, this is a product I'd actually love. Oh, like, I bet you would. If we can get it through the uh, regulatory gauntlet, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it's like USDC, except USDC plus 5% yield. Well, it is not. good to me. So it got through the regulatory gauntlet. That's so true. far. So far. So far. It just, it Knock feels on. like it's taking kind of a tether type approach yeah. of like offshore type mm-hmm. approach. Anyway, listeners, you guys can listen to the podcast and let us know what you think about it. Yeah. Um, another big launch this week was the Bankless team. Oh, that's us. We told you guys about it last week, but we have now officially launched Bankless Claimables. Claimables. I like that. What's a claimable, Ryan? Uh, well, it's a thing that you can claim on chain. <laughs> and it, it's in the it, name. It, it's usually has a... Um, a valuable property associated mm-hmm. with it. So it could be an airdrop. Yep. It could be uh, something you're eligible for because you hold a specific NFT. And, or an NFT itself. You, you, here's the point is you really don't know yeah. what you claim be, be anything. For. It could be anything. And all you have to do is type your ETH address into this website. Double check the URL. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're on the bankless site and not on some Fisher's site. Uh, the but, reason why we know that this is valuable is because we, we have a bankless product now. We have a thing that you can connect your MetaMask to or, or airdrop hunter, et cetera, uh, your, your wallet. Uh, there are 100,000 claimables that the Bankless Nation is able to claim. Yeah. We know this for a fact. We verified it. Uh, that is, and they are worth collectively $350,000 of claimables. That is yeah. not including the millions of dollars of Arbitrum and Connext airdrops as well. 
Uh, there's a lot of money that bankless citizens. I don't know how many times I'm gonna get, I'm gonna be so annoying. Y'all have money, go get it. Using dependables, <laughs> go claim your stuff, yeah. your free stuff, guys. Uh, so it's available for bankless citizens right now. Super excited about that release. Also, our friends over at Blockworks who are helping to yeah. throw this conference with us. Well, they did most of the heavy lifting. They did the back. <laughs> yes. Blockworks Research is announcing Blockworks Analytics. I haven't checked out this product, but what is it, David? Uh, they're saying this is a singular destination for real-time data-powered instincts. And so we, I think there are many products out there like this. Like the Block has a data platform. I know the Defiant has a data platform. Um, from what I'm seeing in this preview, I haven't been able to find the page. I don't know if it's like actually launch-launched yet. Um, we are rushing through this conference, so apologies. Um, the reason why I'm bullish about this particular analytics pl platform is that I think Mike Ippolito specifically, we just recently had him on Bankless, but like the two founders, they really know what's up. So yeah. they know what is good data. I know in the preview, you can see like layer two sequencing profits. Like that's data that I'm interested in. Yeah. Uh, so I think just the brains of Mike and the Blockworks team plus an analytics platform, I think we could get some really valuable insight out of that. So I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that. David, this was kind of a cool release coming out of the mm -hmm. conference as well. Layer Zero and Google Cloud. What is, what is up with this? So I just, before doing this roll-up run, I came down from a panel uh, talking about this with Raz from Layer Zero and Rich from Google Cloud. So Layer Zero has smart contracts on every chain, like the Layer Zero smart contracts, which are also immutable, by the way. That's kind of cool. And so any single new chain, so like the Ethereum Layer 1, Optimism Mainnet, Base, uh, pick another chain, Solana, Avalanche. Uh, and so any single chain has layer zero smart contracts. And then what, what these smart contracts do, uh, do is with a, uh, between the chains, you have an Oracle provider passing messages between the layer zero smart contracts. And that's how these chains become interoperable. Google Cloud is one of these oracles. Now, uh, Oracle, uh, if, you, if I say the word Oracle, you might think like price Oracle because that's what like, something like Chainlink does. This is not that. We're using Oracle in a different context. This is an oracle that's saying, hey, this chain's messaging box has this state, I'm going to pass that message to, I'm going to be at the Oracle for the other chain, the destination chain. And so kind of like how you have MetaMask RPC nodes and you yeah. can, you, it's, it defaults to uh, Infura or you can select that dropdown and you can pick a different one. This is like one of those. So kind of like how Google is the default search engine for your web browser. This is Google Cloud being a, um, a Oracle for the layer zero cross-chain messaging network. I don't know if it's um, specifically default, but it is like the, a very strong first choice for people like me who I'm not going to run a layer zero system or an Oracle. I'm just gonna pick Google because I, I pick Google for search engines. Fuck it, I'll pick them for- You, you mean hypothetical you, because you're not actually picking Oracle, are you? Uh, I mean, you have the option to. You have the option to, but you have Google out of the box to use. I got it. Okay. I, um, I want to dip in sometime, mm -hmm. you know, and, and evaluate kind of what layer zero is doing. And it's not just layer zero. There's, there's a bunch CCIP of CCIP from chain link. CCIP yeah. from no, chain link. Not CCCP. No, 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 not that one. That's, <laughs> That's a different kind of work. Uh -huh. Uh, and I want to evaluate kind of like the bridge type platform mm -hmm. type play versus the super chain type play yep. versus like intense. Yep. All of these things oh, versus, <laughs> I mean, I think they solve a similar problem in mm -hmm. some way, which yep. is like getting assets from one place yeah. to another. There's a there there for sure. Fragmented multi-chain ecosystem. And I don't know what the winners are going to look like, but we need to, we or, need to, get to or the why the winners will be the winners. Yeah. Is the big question. I haven't decided yet. David, what do we got coming up next? 
Coming up next, questions from the nation, takes of the week, and a meme of Ryan in real life because it's so damn memeable. <laughs> uh, one of the questions, how do you calculate the market cap of ETH when we keep burning it? Interesting. We're going to get to all of this and more, but first I want to talk about these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Are you planning to launch a token? Is your token already live? And are you granting your employees and contractors vesting token awards? And are you trying to figure out how to take care of taxable events for your team? Toku makes implementing a global token incentive award simple. With Toku, you will get unmatched legal and tax support to grant and administer your global team's tokens. Toku will help you navigate across the life cycle of your token from easy to use pre-launch token grant award templates to managing post-cliff taxable events with payroll. For legal, finance, and HR teams, it's a huge complex task to have to comply with labor laws, payroll, and tax obligations, tax reporting, and crypto regulations in every country that you employ someone. It's difficult, time-consuming, manual, and costly, and it's drawing more attention from global regulators and governments. Toku makes it simple for leading companies in the space, Protocol Labs, Hedera, Gitcoin, and many more. So if you want some help navigating the complex world of token compliance, go to toku.com bankless or click the link in the description below. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize centralized Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. All right, the question from Derry. If market cap is unit price multiplied by the circulating supply, when we burn ETH, aren't we reducing the market cap in a sense? Or can we consider burnt ETH part of the market cap? What say you, David? Uh, yes. Okay. We When we burn ETH, it is gone. It is gone from the accounting. It is removed from the line item. So burnt ETH is no longer a part of the Ethereum market cap. Uh, we are literally reducing the circulating supply of Ether. So you're both market cap and fully diluted for, for those that count. Uh, and so, no, you do not consider burnt ETH as part of the market cap. You do consider burnt ETH as part of the market cap that was burnt. Um, so no, uh, as we burn more ETH, the market cap of Ether goes down which is why it's actually bullish, because that means when you buy Ether, you're buying it at a better valuation the more that Ether is burnt. Yeah, I, um, I think there, there's maybe also some confusion on a distinction here. That, so the definition that the, the questioner gives of unit price times the circulating supply, right? Yep. That's that, market cap. That is one definition of market cap. But mm -hmm. I like fully diluted market cap yeah. a little bit better yes. for this type of right. Uh, you know, metric, right? So because I don't know when you say circulating supply for ETH, what you actually mean. I mm -hmm. think that, that depends on different things. There, there are some projects where it's very clear what you mean. Right. So you got a, a bunch of tokens that are vested or locked right. somewhere or something like reason. that. And they, yeah. They're not circulating at all. I'm not sure entirely what, what you might mean by circulating. But let's, let's take a look at fully diluted. So that would be... Unit price. Well, so for Ether, market cap and fully diluted valuation is one-to-one. -one. It should be the same. And, and Bitcoin is, is also one-to-one, -one except for 
all of the lost coins out there. So Bitcoin also has a lower market cap than actually reported because something like 3% of Bitcoins is lost. So the real market cap of circulating supply of Bitcoins is actually 3% lower than reported because everyone who just reports the market cap of Bitcoin just includes well, I, 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 There's a lot of ETH that's uh, burnt there's and also gone as well. I don't know what but the that, But is that is that. actually accounted for in the circulating supply. All right, okay. All right, David, we haven't compiled any takes this week, but uh, let me ask you, what are you bullish on? I am bullish on permissionless three. Go figure. <laughs> At permissionless two, already focused on permissionless three. That's October in Salt Lake City. Uh, I kind of already gave my, my tease for why I think it's going to be exciting. The reason why I think permissionless is so cool is I'm very bullish on podcasters organizing conference content. It's just, it's the same skill set. I have been to my fair share of conferences out there, Ryan. Uh, I have seen when people who don't have that skill set organize talks and panels. And it's like, you know, that one family guy meme of like the giraffe platypus elephant animal. Yeah. That's how I feel out like the typical conference. Like, what the hell is this panel? <laughs> like, who put this together? Who titled this? What moderate? This moderator's bad. Boo. Um, I'm so I'm so mean. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of mean, David. It's pretty mean. Uh, I, I mean, so you, me, Mike, Jason, and the other and many others at the Blockworks, we organize every single bit of content here. The panels make sense. I, I only organize the good ones, David. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the, the panels and panelists make sense. We do a good job, I think, organizing content. And the Blockworks team is just so polished with the actual event planning. It's really... And so I think we are both coming together and realizing that we're not done yet with improving the conference experience. I think just another three-day conference of programming and talks is table stakes and I want to do something net new in addition to that because we've got that on lock we figured that out and I feel strong we've done that twice in a row permissionless three I want to be more than a conference a conference and something yes and uh, I talked about the, that in the intro but I think there's a lot of innovation uh, an arc of innovation to do in the crypto conference circuit because it's a very special time it's the one time a year where the bankless community gets to show up in real life. We just had 100 people watching us at, at the very start. We're down to just a handful now. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, it's a time where your Twitter friends get to show up in real life. I was on a stage with uh, Ethan Buckman from Cosmos, Anatoly from Solana, and Ben Jones from Optimism. And we all just like talked about, we hashed stuff out about our visions for the end game. And like that is, uh, you don't get that anywhere else. And that's such low hanging fruit content. Um, so I'm bullish on us like doubling down on really diving into what a crypto native conference is and not just doing the same like template of conference in the future. That's cool. Yeah. What are you bullish on? So I am bullish on the vibes of this conference. Vibes are good, right? You know, this this is the one uh, conference that that I go to, obviously. So I, I couldn't tell you if it's the best conference or not, David. I, it is. I frankly have no idea. Okay. I mean, special place for DevCon, special place for ECC, but permissionless is it's a it's a league of its own. Yeah. So like the but the vibes here uh, for me were were fantastic. Um, the regulatory panel mm -hmm. was was bullish. I asked each of the panelists. You know, Tom Emmer, Hester mm -hmm. Purse, like, are we going to make it? Is the U.S. going to make it? The answer was yes. Hell yes. Like, hell yes. Like, because we're here and we're fighting. And they showed up to this conference. I mean, that speaks volume in the bear market. Meeting the community uh, was so bullish. <laughs> it just struck me how, yeah, this bear market uh, is a bear market. But, like, it is 10x yeah. the last bear the market. 10x bear. In terms of builders, in terms of interest, in terms of value uh, creation. And so just, just hang on, guys. Right? <laughs> I really... Made this full circle. The very beginning where we were talking about the markets, 
uh, four-year cycle. Mm-hmm. It is 2019 again, mm-hmm. and this 2019 is is 10x yeah. the last time we were in the in this part of the cycle. And the pre-bull cycle is really where we are. And I feel like that should be this this roll-up title. We're in the pre-bull cycle mm-hmm. right now, and that was really impressed upon me. And I think you get that experience in real life, in meeting everyone, and seeing all of the builders. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm leaving this place. More bullish than I was, David. For sure, for sure. I've definitely been taking a moment to reflect today, walking around formationless and like, look around, look who's here. This is a bear market conference. And you don't get that many of these. And I say that in a good way. Like bear market conferences are special because there's all of your friends and there's no noise. Yeah. Uh, next year is going to be a little bit more wild, I'm sure. The next one's going to be crazy. All right, David, meme of the week. What are we closing with? I don't know if I've screened this one. <laughs> oh, here it is. <laughs> this is this is Joseph DeLong here at Permissionless running into Ryan Taking a selfie of Ryan oh with the caption, God. so proud of my son on his first day of high school. Uh, and man, that slaps. I'm disappointed with how many that likes this slaps. guy, David. <laughs> I'm in my white collared shirt. You know, I'm just looking like a, a little child. My backpack. A little on. bit. A little bit. Yeah. It's, it's uh-huh. yeah. Hey, he's proud of you, though. <laughs> I love that man in the conference, you know? <laughs> you He's waiting outside. <laughs> this is how you repay me, Joseph. <laughs> oh, well. All right, we're going to end with risks in a minute. But first, we disclose, uh, David and I are investors in Arbitrum. And- no, I'm not. Just you. That's just you. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep. Sorry about that, David. Oh, well. Uh, both David and I also hold ETH. We are long-term investors. We're not journalists. We don't do paid content. There's a link to all bankless disclosures in the show notes. And let me leave you with this special sign-off for permissionless to, of course, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us here on the Bankless Journey. Thanks a lot. This show is a security. I better register with the SEC. If it resells, I get a royalty. And the better I do, the more it will be.